Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined, as always, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I, I'm experiencing a, a kind of a, a new life here, Dave. I've got upgraded in my wireless from like 70 up and down to 200. Oh, wow. So you can watch, you can watch even longer like porn movies. Like you can go whole hog. This is just, just, this is porn for me right yeah. now. Just, yeah. I, I mean, for someone who works on the internet, this, this seriously is, is porn. This is, yeah, I'm, I, I, while we're doing this, I'm going to be like surfing all over the internet. So there might be a lag in my response time to you because this is life changing right now. I just got it. So I know everyone out there can relate to how ecstatic. I am at this very moment. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm pumped for you. I'm pumped for you. Um, I'm pumped for myself. But you know, you know who isn't pumped. You know who isn't pumped, Tracy. Segway. Fans Segway. of UCLA Segway. football recruiting. Segway. Segway. Yeah. Segway. Oh yeah. yeah no. I, I think I need that as a sound effect. You just saying segway in the background as I as I speak. Yeah. Why don't you come up with some sound effects for like you hit a little button and it goes. That <laughs> is. Uh, Wait, I got a sound effect for you. Hold on, I'm getting to it. Hold on, hold on. Okay. My daughter put my daughter put this on my phone. Tell me if you can hear it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Isn't that cool? That's great. I'm yeah. excited for you. I'm excited I, for all I, of our listeners. Now wait, do you like is that part of your generation? Like one of those air horns when like that like to the twenty somethings, that that means like like, you know, sell it we're moving on, everything's great. Was that your generation or Dave, so that, are you too? Uh, yeah, are you too old? No, no, that was I think uh, towards the it. tail end of me, like actually um, having a life outside of taking care of my children. Um, that was was starting to become a thing, little air horn. Um, but got it. No, not really part of my uh, part of my upbringing, as as it were. Um, okay, all right. Enough of the chit chat. Enough of the nonsense. Enough of the BS. People, people on our message board are having an existential crisis right now. Um, <laughs> like that's out of the ordinary. No, but you know, this is this is the one they're having this month, um, and the one they had last month was, you know, that's in the past now. Uh, okay. But the one this month um, is has has been the case throughout much of Chip Kelly's era, um, largely to do with UCLA football recruiting. Um, the past week, I would say, has not, but not even the past week, past like five days have not been particularly kind uh, to UCLA and uh, and the impression... Well, and, and we should get into this because um, we talked... Well, go ahead. Let me, let me just... You know, I don't want to write... I'm not going to write this story. I started to try to write a story. It was called <laughs> UCLA Football's June Swoon. <laughs> and I thought, God, I just put up a, like two paragraphs about... You know, UCLA's recruiting, and I got, like, some really, you know, I mean, you saw what that forum did. It kind of just melted down. So I decided not to do it And the story. And what the story would have done is kind of detail out. And I think we need to, like, at least on this broadcast, if we're going to talk about it, we need to detail out exactly what has happened. So um, because then – then hopefully no one will respond in a forum post. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they've missed on, uh, these are guys who committed elsewhere, uh, Malik Reed, Jackson LaDuke, uh, Nick Herbig, uh, Connor McLaughlin. Uh, we'd have to say from what we've heard, Jeffrey Percy, from what we, from what we've heard, Dewan Butler. So that's three offerees right there. You'd say that they have fallen behind on five-star running back Bijan Robinson, probably fallen behind on uh, receiver Logan Loya. We've said they're probably trailing for Ben Urasek, Roma Dunsey, all guys that they might have been uh, leading for at one time. Uh, let's, I, I mean, I could still laundry list more. Guys that they're probably not among the favorites for, Matt Polk, Jamar Sakona, uh, Van Fillinger, Caleb McCullough, Court Williams, which is a big one, uh, being from a UCLA family. Uh, you know, Roman Wilson, uh, 
And that's not even counting some of the bigger guys that they've offered, like Darnell Washington, Xavier Carlton, Lathan Ransom, Kaylee Ringo. I mean, so this is kind of where we are. I'd say UCLA has a chance, like, you know, a good, a good reasonable chance for 11 of like 11 or 12 out of the remaining 50 or so prospects it's offered that aren't committed elsewhere. So that's just to, to set the table for what we're talking about. Now, on the other hand, you have to also say that it did get a commitment from, I think, an under-evaluated uh, linebacker from Georgia, Miles Jackson. Great name. Uh, great name. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, he's a linebacker and, and kind of similar, similar physically, athletically, kind of, kind of funny. Um, there was a boom. Um, uh, we know who it is, but we're not revealing it. We're not going to steal the kid's thunder. Uh, and if you look at the, um, what am I looking at, Dave? If you're looking at the crystal balls that have gone up, uh, you could say it's pretty positive. There's crystal balls for UCLA to Bruno Fina, the mm-hmm. um, Arizona offensive lineman, uh, for Matt Sykes, the Hawaii wide receiver, Killian Zierer. A uh, few just went up, and these are these are guys we trust who are putting in these crystal balls, like Greg Biggins for Killian Zier, uh, the JC offensive lineman from Canyon Country, or yeah, College of the Canyons. So, I mean, okay, I, you know, you have to throw that in if we're going to talk about negatives, but it is a thing to talk about. We're still talking about recruiting under Chip Kelly and what that means. Um, I know you've been critical. I'm probably a little less critical than you are, but let's to even further set the table. Let's hear your perspective. Um, this is uh, so when we were talking um, the last time we did kind of a deeper dive into recruiting was probably uh, soon after signing day. We've been mentioning it here and there uh, on this on the broadcast, but mostly it was you know right after signing day talking about how UCLA was attacking it with more vigor. Uh, to start the um, period. And what we said at the time was, okay, this is great. It's great to attack April and and May with that. Um, But you have to continue that. Let's see where we are in June. Let's see where we are in August. Let's see where we are in September um, as far as effort level put in, as far as the contact rate. And it still seems like it's better. I think it's a far cry from what it needs to be um, for for recruiting itself, um, for for the recruiting itself to be successful without um, without a winning record, um, and at UCLA you can even in your second year you can recruit irrespective of your record, um, but they are, the, 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 I, in my in my view, looking at this, they are failing. Um, they are they are failing to sell the obvious aspects of UCLA that should make it a great option for. 80% of kids. And yes, they're being more stringent on the requirements. And yes, I get the rationale for that. But the simple fact of the matter is they're missing on guys they've offered. They're missing on guys they're, um, in their eyes, prioritizing. Um, it's just, there's a, there's a failure in strategy. There's a failure in approach. There's a failure in execution. Whatever you want to pick, this is a failure right now. And that doesn't mean it has to be a failure at the end of the day. It's still relatively early, but... I mean, for a guy like Logan Loya to be thinking strongly of Vanderbilt, of all things, um, instead of UCLA, and now it sounds like it's maybe more of the, I think, Oregon, and I think uh, Greg mentioned ASU. Um, Yes. But uh, that shouldn't be happening. Um, And it's just, I'm I'm deeply confused um, about the priority level that they're placing on kids um, who they've offered. Are they really recruiting? Because this was our issue last year, remember? It wasn't necessarily that they were, you know, uh, whatever, not like keeping guys warm. It was that even the guys they were offering, they weren't recruiting hard. And yeah, it certainly sounds as if they're recruiting harder this cycle. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they're recruiting as bad as they were last year. Uh, but is it hard enough? I, the the proof is in the pudding at a certain level, and I would say no. And are these official visits actually better than they were? Yes, but are they good enough? Again, proof in the pudding, I would say no. And 
Yes, I understand Chip Kelly has a philosophy. He wants to do this his way, and he wants to do it where he gets serious-minded kids. Um, but some of these guys sound plenty serious-minded to me, but they're still opting for other spots. It's not like UCLA is the only program in the world that's trying to have a serious football program. Um, you know what makes you look serious? Winning football games. Um, when you go 3-9, and nine, um, and... Uh, it's harder to sell where we're the serious football program, especially when there are other programs out there that have that to sell along with, you know, them actually like trying to make it a good time. Um, so I, I'm, I'm flummoxed. I, I, I think it's, <laughs> I ob- love that word. I, I think it's that. obvious at this point that this is not a staff and this is not a head coach that's going to win the recruiting game without a winning record on the field. Um, some staffs can, uh, but this staff, I, I think it's, more or less definitive at this point that they cannot. Um, I, 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 I agree generally. I, I think there's a lot of shades of gray in there that, you know, it's our job to try to, to try to explain it. Um, they have improved their recruiting. Uh, they have improved their frequency of their contact with players. Uh, could you could you improve that? Just about any program could probably improve that to a degree. I, I from what I've heard, I wouldn't necessarily be critical of how often they're doing it. Um, what they're the main sticking point now is, for lack of a better way of describing it, they're just not a Chip Kelly program at UCLA or probably anywhere now it is never going to uh be really good at that extreme salesmanship the the sizzle now you know that you see from what other programs do i the best thing was you saw you saw that picture of mario cristobal you probably saw it there was a no they do those photo shoots with like the entire staff and they're all doing these you know hand gestures and there's one of mario cristobal in a crouch where he's like pointing out like he's an offensive lineman or, you know, toward, toward the ref or, or pointing out. It's just, and I wrote on, on the thread, I would pay a lot of money to be able to take a photo of Chip Kelly doing that with a recruit on a recruiting visit. It's just not going to happen. And like with any other program, the, the tone is set by the, by the coach. Um, you know, you can blame it on a lot of the assistants and, and there are always degrees of, of how good, uh, assistants are at recruiting on any staff. Always. There are some that are always very good and there are some that aren't so good, regardless of the head coach and the tone and the note of recruiting that he establishes. But this at UCLA is definitely being dominated by Chip Kelly's uh, personal taste when it comes to recruiting. I mean, you, you have to be able to remember, I mean, just put it in this perspective. He wasn't ever going to have on official visits. He wasn't going to have the players and their families go off campus to go to a restaurant off campus. They were only eating in on the training table, the player training table. Um, he wanted to originally have the official visits just one day because he thought he could get all the business information done in one day. So he's loosened up. Obviously, they've gone off campus f- for meals. Uh, I think there's probably going to be some more loosening up over the course of his time at UCLA. I don't think it will ever get to the point of what we see Oregon and USC do. That's what I wrote on that forum post that caused you know, a lot of fear. Uh, I thought we had laid enough groundwork for people to understand that, (laughs) that they will never, I don't think they'll ever be that way. Uh, They're not going to, you know, trot out the entire team for a photo, for a photo shoot with one player. Um, You know, they're probably not going to call up Adam Sandler to to meet them at Nobu, (laughs) whether that was arranged or not. I don't know. But you understand you understand the thing. Uh, Oregon is doing it the best I've ever seen a Pac-12 program do it uh, do that 
um, in the last couple of cycles. Mario Cristobal is is really got this down, and we've seen it in the result. Uh, I, I mean, once Oregon gets involved in the recruitment, it's almost pretty much over. But what I think you can hope for is the recruiting on the level of Washington. Uh, you know, we just, we, Dave, we always keep coming back that Chris Peterson is is kind of the standard that we could see UCLA eventually shooting, well, shooting for now and eventually arriving upon. Um, you don't see a lot of, you don't hear necessarily a lot of sizzle from their Washington, from uh, recruits visiting Washington. But you do hear that they were knocked out by it. And a lot of that difference is going to be that knocked out element is going to come from winning. There, there is a good buzz about Washington, the Washington program. Uh, as Greg Bacon said on our forum, there just isn't a buzz about UCLA right now, and if and that buzz is winning. So, you know, we're in this little, we're in June, we're in this horrible time left with a three and nine season, where. I think if they they have a winning season, recruiting will improve. They'll be able to have something on the field they can sell. But until then, we're in this purgatory. And it's a yeah, I mean, it's a painful purgatory. But if they do have a winning season, I think they're potentially on their way to having the type of recruiting that Washington has. Um and I think, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to be realistic and people sometimes don't want me to, to kill their hope, but I think that's the most you'll be able to hope for is a Washington model. You'll, you're never going to get, you're never going to get extreme sizzle like with, like with Oregon right now. Um, you know, and I think people just have to come to terms with that and hope for what's realistic and what's realistic I think is still a scenario where UCLA can win at a high level and get the talent it needs to win at a high level. I think Washington's doing it. So I would like to make just a small point about Washington's recruiting. They yes. had one year where they were outside of the top 30, and that was that was Chris Peterson's first year. After that, they were a top 30 class every single year, and they've accelerated now to a top 20 class um, basically every year. The last I'm not three. saying I'm not saying when I say the model of Washington, I'm not saying that it will be on the same time frame as Washington, but that that's where UCLA could go. But I think it is linked because I think what is what, what Peterson is doing is, yeah, they're not having the rah-rah official visits, but are they having good and, and pleasurable official, official visits? Probably. I mean, they, they seem to have a good closure rate after these officials. And I, I, I can only imagine they're recruiting harder. Um, yeah, I, 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 I buy that UCLA is definitely putting in more calls and doing more. But I, I would definitely wager that Washington's targets are feeling it more than, than UCLA's targets right now. Um, just from they're, they're feeling uh, more love, more attention, more everything. Because, um, again, it's just the results. Washington recruiting like a top 30 school is UCLA recruiting like a top 20 school. Like Washington does not have that recruiting base. For them to do that, that's actually quite the coup for Washington. And then to get into a top 20 level is like when UCLA is recruiting at a top 15, top 10 level. Um, UCLA recruiting at the level of Washington, I don't know. I don't know if that's the model that works for UCLA. Um, but it, it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm not uh, even saying whether it uh, – what I'm saying is I think that's – when it comes to Chip Kelly, I think that's what uh, – uh, first off, you're going to get better coaching. I, I just generally feel this staff is going to offer the program better coaching. Um, so I think they will get more out of the talent that they have. So you don't need necessarily top five, top eight recruiting classes, one after another for UCLA to win. I think they're going to get the most out of the talent they bring in, which I think is that's the main kind of comparison and connection I'm making with the Washington program. Sure. I don't think they're going to – I don't think Washington will ever recruit at a top five level. Um, but consistently, anyway. Um, 
And I don't think UCLA under – I think UCLA can. We've seen UCLA done that. Yes. I've done that. But I don't think it will under Chip Kelly. I think the most you can hope for is the level of talent that Washington is bringing in. Yeah. So there's a lot of little variables there that don't necessarily line up with Washington. But bottom lining it out there, I think that's what we – that's the level of recruiting you can hope for, given all of the parameters that Chip Kelly puts on recruiting. Which mostly is avoiding circusy type of it's and you know what I, I'm going to be kind of blunt here. It's not just avoiding circusy and everything that implies, and we've talked about circuses in our in our last broadcast. But it's 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 also I think there is I don't think Chip Kelly likes to recruit. I think he's tried to find the most effective practical time practical approach and i think he's made the decision that getting a th- like a lower four star higher three star with the least amount of time put into it in the long run is better for your program than a high four or five star that takes a great deal of time manpower resources coaching power everything taking coaches away from actual coaching and then uh taking in all of the literal statistics of how often which that little difference in recruits how often the higher ones actually pay off compared to the lower one i think there's there's a just a clear decision being made here and a lot of people could argue yeah well the first motivating factor is he just doesn't want to recruit. <laughs> and I'm not going to absolutely 100% dispel that, but it is a different approach. We've seen it. I just want to, that's crazy. So a head coach who doesn't want to recruit, yeah, I get it, but it's an essential part of their job. It's like, hey, he's really good at his job, but he shows up three hours late every day. It's like, no, showing up on time is an essential part of a normal person's job. Recruiting is an essential part of being a head coach in college football. It just is. Developing an effective recruiting plan that's going to stock your team with talent commensurate to your level is an important part of being a head coach. Turning it into something that's, uh, let me just see what the most efficient way I can get through this is a great way to minimize your workload and a horrible way to run a football program. It's just Well, maybe maybe there's like here's a little hope possibly. So when he first came in, he had all of his limits on official visits, on what he was going to do in recruiting. They've slowly, you know, it's not that slowly. It's been a year, but I mean, some perspective for recruiting fans, it's been slow. You know, they got him, they got, like I said, they got him to take the recruits and their their families off campus for dinner. They've got him going to parties more when initially they didn't at all. So maybe as if he wins, and he starts to get uh, when you have that winning environment and he actually has a chance with a higher level of recruit maybe that whole slippery slope for chip kelly will continue maybe he'll see that since it's easier to recruit that high four star or five star because they're winning maybe they will get involved you know uh, i it's hard this is it's a fluid thing. I, I mean, I, I when I say this will never happen, which I just already said here, maybe it's not. Maybe it will change. Um, but as of right now, this is what we're dealing with. And when it really comes down to it, no matter what, it still comes down to winning will change it all. And I think if they get to seven or eight wins, just seven wins, let's say on the season that creates a whole different feeling around a program because everything that they're telling you feels like it's supporting a program that's going in the right direction. Right now, no matter what salesmanship they have, they're, you just you, you don't know because we're still in the three and nine fallout. Um, so there's the discussion that we, how critical is this season? That's, that's a big answer there. I, I, well, I think it's, I mean, it's obviously huge. I, I would say, though, there are, and I, I don't mean to belabor the point, 
there are ways to recruit off of three and nine. Lots of staffs are able to recruit off of bad first years um, if they are doing the salesmanship right. What's obvious is that they're not doing the salesmanship right. Um, I don't think, see, that's where we kind of differ. I agree, clearly. Like I I cited Nebraska, they were four and eight last year, and they got the number 18 recruiting class in the country. But when you say recruiting it right, I, I don't know if that's the good way of putting it. There's just a different... There is a whole different level to take it, in which includes just extreme recruiting salesmanship, really that whole flash and sizzle. I mean, I've just, I'll tell you this, I've heard from someone who I know who is close with an Oregon coach, and the Oregon coach admitted to this person, yeah, I, I know we're recruiting really well, but... I really, I think at one point, I really hope we can get more substantive at one point in our recruiting. We're just selling flash right now. I mean, they've admitted, you know, (laughs) through different anonymous people that they are selling flash. And is that right? Though Dave, I mean that's why they're recruiting so well. That's what they're doing. I don't think it's a binary. I'm I'm looking at this from a from a from a results standpoint and from a strategy standpoint. If your recruiting strategy requires that you post good records in either your first or second year of a major rebuild, then your recruiting strategy is flawed. I'm just going to start I, I there. I agree with that. I agree with that completely. So. Yeah. If the recruiting strategy is based largely on preaching serious-minded stuff and and getting guys who really want to work, that's fine, but you still have to sell them properly. And there are some serious-minded guys. I mean, I think a lot of these guys that they've been talking about, we've done the vetting too. Like we know, oh, that guy's academics are great. He seems like a serious-minded kid. They've done the vetting and they've offered them. They're missing out on these guys who should be the ones who are prioritizing serious-minded, you know, whatnot and all that stuff. So something is deeply flawed here. I'm not sure, like, you don't know how every individual conversation is going with these kids and how every individual official visit goes with these kids, but something's wrong um, because you can't just say, okay, after our second year for our third recruiting class, we're really going to nail it because we're going to win seven games. Um, What if you don't? You got to have a strategy in place that actually allows you to stock the talent before you win. I mean, that's how you build it. Um, And I, I... there, I mean, look, it's early, granted, and I, I don't, uh, rankings, schmankings, but they're 85th nationally right now. And yeah, that's fine. A lot of schools take earlier commitments and everything, but it's not great. They're, they're, they're in, and it's not like they're getting their first picks at a lot of these positions, too. So yeah, I'm very skeptical of the recruiting. I'm very skeptical of a strategy that requires them to win football games to recruit at even a like mediocre level. Um, but agreed, if they win this season, it'll change this. I think if they win seven games, it'll change it. Um, I think it is, you know, a strategy that that can work, but walking into this with that being okay this is the way we're going to design this uh, i think it's crazy i don't think it's that i don't think it's based on that i don't think they're saying our strategy is based on us winning i think they've decided with their slatics and how they're going to out evaluate everyone and find find maybe under recruited you know measurable athletes i i i, I would not I think you've gotten in conversation with the staff. They would say their their commitments, their five commitments that they have, are underrated. And, and I'll 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 say I think a few of them are too. Um, they're not saying they don't think they're settling. They believe that these guys that they're recruiting at a at a talent level that's elite. So. Uh, it's not a strategy because your strategy really, really, you know, a cornerstone of it would be that they admit they need to win. They think they're getting the players a high level of talent that is going to allow them to win. That's what they're thinking right now. Now, when they do eventually win, when they do, if they do, the pool of those guys, uh, the pool of recruits that they believe 
if they got will help them win, will absolutely expand. But I, I don't think they feel they're settling right now. Um, like, I can look at, you know, UCLA's commitment list right now. I, I, can, I, I can safely 100% tell you that the guys on this list, like let's say Jeremiah Trojan, you know, three-star guy, didn't have a power five did he? I don't think he had a power five offer. Um, I know UCLA believes he's a potentially elite recruit. Um, I know they have a really high opinion of Jake Newman. And I personally have probably a, a higher opinion of Jake Newman than what 24-7 has him ranked. And I'm usually a little bit more skeptical but they have him as a three-star, and he's rated the 90th safety. Well, actually, you know, that's the composite. Okay. 24-7 has him ranked as the 88th safety in the country. I, I, I haven't seen all 87 before him, but, I, you know, I've done this a while. I think he's better than that. So I know that they think they're recruiting elite guys, and they're not settling. Um, so... But I think that pool, when uh, well, as soon as they win, that pool will expand. Um, is this happening? I, if I really, I you can say I'm being optimistic. I really do believe we're in just this really bad period of the the aftermath of a three and nine season before we can see UCLA on the field again. Um, and I think that's a really bad time to be in. Uh, I don't know if there's been that many bad times. Well, what am I saying? There have been plenty of bad times. But this one, uh, and it's not only three and nine. Uh, Mora was four and eight the year before. I, I mean, this this is a pretty bad lull right now. So I understand all the frustration. And I'm there with you, Dave, for a lot of it. And I do believe that they're not recruiting their recruiting style could have a little bit more sizzle and salesmanship to it. Absolutely. But I, I think they will get to the level that Washington's recruiting. And I think if they get there, they'll be able to be competitive at a high level in college football. So yeah, that was a long soliloquy. Yeah. And I don't, so, uh, yeah, I should, I should, I should stipulate first. Um, yeah, it's still possible for Chip Kelly to be successful here, and I agree with you. Um, if they win, the pool will expand. They'll start recruiting more like the top thirty, top twenty-five UCLA recruiting power that we've come to know. You know, more of the serious-minded four stars, and maybe even the occasional five star will want to consider UCLA if they win. Um, granted, Chip Kelly's a good coach. He's a good football coach. He's a good offensive football coach. They, I mean, look at that offense last year. All of that is true. Um, what, even if that happens, what I will remain saying is it did not have to start this way. Um, it did not have to begin with what they recruited this last cycle and what they're basically poised to recruit this cycle. And yes, I buy that, you know, some of these guys and maybe maybe most of these guys are better than their rating. Um, but look, I mean, there's a reason why these star ratings generally tend to predict performance in NFL and so on. It's they're good. They're accurate. Um, so, yeah, there can be, you know, times when they are, you know, maybe a little bit underselling a kid or didn't see him as much. But Man, expecting to beat the beat the star ranking on like twenty guys in your class—that's a lot. That's that's a lot. Um, so anyway, I'm interested in seeing that. You know I, what else, though, Dave? We're also—it's just not the three and nine. Uh, we are we are suffering from the fallout of the 2019 recruiting cycle. That yeah, I mean that was horrendous. It truly was. They had a really bad approach. Yeah, to that, to that. It didn't need uh, um, to start that way. They did not need to start that way. Absolutely didn't need to start that. There was within the program there was more of an emphasis on coaching than recruiting. I mean that the staff 
dropped the ball in recruiting for months. And that was, and just with that emphasis, that was the second worst UCLA team since 1945, according yeah. to SRS. Just throwing that in there. Yeah. So we're we're like right on the edge of <laughs> of. And it's hard to speculate since we're right on the edge. Like, where does this go from? Where does this go from here? Um, you could see, you could see them not really turning up the sizzle or the salesmanship. But if they won ten games, let's say in two years, it won't matter. Yeah, it won't. And and it might. There'll be a perspective from recruits saying, "Wow, they're winning ten games. They won the Pac-12 South." And their recruiting approach to me is absolutely no BS. There's no, there's no crap they're telling me. They're giving it to me straight. You know, it's all really substantive. I mean, you can see that the approach might enhance the whole recruiting when they do win. I, it's just, you know, you've played competitive sports. Everything changes when you win. <laughs> Everything. There, there's like a chemical in everyone's brain that just changes everyone's perspective. Um, and maybe you'll seep into Chip Kelly's brain and, you know, he'll get in a stance and point. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Keep the dream alive. Yeah. It's um... – it's just it's a, it's so it's something still new for us to deal with. Um, UCLA opting not to recruit the way UCLA can, um, and it's it's interesting to watch it develop um, again. And it is still very early. We've only seen one season of Chip Kelly football, and it ended nicely. Um, you know that team did get better towards the end of the year, um, especially offensively. Um, so. There's certainly the possibility that um, Kelly's going to be one of those guys who can coach above his talent. I don't think it's fair to look at that first year where they'd also jettisoned a huge chunk of the roster as like a, a perfect display of what uh, Kelly at UCLA is going to look like. I think it's going to be quite a bit better than that um, performance on the field standpoint. It's just so I'm I'm kind of a longstanding skeptic of you know needing to recruit at a like at a super crazy level if you have an elite coach. But this is, it is testing my theory. Like it, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's testing my um, long held belief that coaching matters significantly more than recruiting because I always assumed when I was saying that, that UCLA would still be hovering around like a top 30 level just by yeah. resting rate. That's where UCLA is. Um, being more of a top 40, top 50 recruiting power it's really going to test that. Here's another thing you kind of touched on it too. Um, running off, well, I'm not saying running off, but you could say what went into purging, you know, 30-something players. Uh, I don't think Chip Kelly is good at uh, the emotional, interpersonal side of a program. Uh, and when you run off players like that, they are going to talk. And even... Even if the players, let's say all 30 players deservedly should have been run, should be run off from a program. Like they're all bad seeds. There's going to be a fallout of that no matter what, they still have friends who coach in high school, friends who are going to their former high school, and they're going to talk and they're going to have, you know, they're going to have bad things to say. I mean, but this staff. Chip Kelly will never take that kind of personal element of all of this into account. And that might have, we've talked about it, that running off so many players wasn't good from just a roster standpoint. Here's another byproduct that you have it resonating in, you know, high school programs across Southern California. Now, when you start winning and you're winning with the style that they're doing in, in a few years, There'll be a good buzz then. But, you know, like right now there's no buzz. Even, you know, Greg Biggins wrote on our board that there just seems to be a, a general lack of buzz. And I'm completely convinced that when you run off that many players, it's going to create negativity. 
that's going to permeate, well, not permeate, but just expand throughout all recruiting circles in high schools. And uh, that's part of this effect right now. Yeah. And uh, I guess I go back to um, uh, when Mora started at UCLA, and there was a purge. Um, it was much smaller. And I got the distinct impression, um, and this might have been a product of Mora being, I don't know. I don't know what it was exactly a product of, but uh, Mora got a lot of buy-in from the New Heisel holdovers um, who were sick of like kind of being jokes in the Pac-12, and they really, really bought in. And that did not happen at anywhere near the level um, with Kelly's takeover of UCLA from Mora. And I think it was probably, to some extent, Mora um, didn't crater as, well, maybe it wasn't as obvious a crater to the players as Neuheisel's was. You know, losing 50 to nothing, I think, can make you a little bit, okay, yeah, our coach needs to be fired. Um and, you know, Mora maybe didn't have that moment. So maybe the players were still like, oh, why'd you fire our guy? Um, but also Kelly's ability to win these guys over. Um, and it's just without that buy-in, you're basically starting fresh with a bunch of freshmen who, you know, a lot of guys that we think are going to be good. Antonio Maffi, Otito Bonia, like a lot of these guys. But um, huge growing pains. And it, it's just we're we're the thing I keep coming back to is it's rolling the dice a lot on what this season is going to look like, and it's not an easy schedule. Um, this team has to have improved a lot, and a lot to get to seven wins. I mean, it's a tough, tough schedule. Um, and it, somebody asked on the board today, is this season going to be you know make or break for Chip Kelly? And I thought about it for a second because I know I'd read your piece and I agreed with it at the time. And then I was thinking about it in light of the recent recruiting. And I wavered a little bit, but I still said, yeah, it's not make or break yet. Because 2020 is an easy enough schedule that you could then start the momentum then. But it's close. I mean, it's closer than it was three months ago, too. I mean, the way I this recruiting class is shaping up, it's closer than it was three months ago. Right. But like I wrote, and I'm trying to provide pers- perspective. It's it's all maker. It's more make or break for fans than it is actually for the UCLA administration and actually the the powerful donors. I just mean for um, them to have success here. Like I just mean because if you start recruiting, if 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 we're stipulating that you have to win to recruit well, right? And they don't win yeah. this year, then you're essentially sacrificing another recruiting class. It'll be the 2020 class at that or the 2021 class at that point. And so then, uh, uh, but. But Dave, I think the talent that he has on, I think the talent he had over the last two years, like last season and this season come, coming up, would will get him at would would have gotten him at least eight to maybe nine wins in the twenty twenty schedule. That schedule is is the easiest, softest schedule UCLA's had in recent memory. Oh yeah, and they sh- they should be better than last year's team and this year's team. So. It's all, that's the thing that we all forget too. Like it's all about schedules. It's so, I mean, what was Oregon's schedule like last year? Uh, it wasn't very tough. I, I mean, there's a big difference. That's what's so funny too. There's a big difference between five wins and seven wins or five wins and eight wins. And a lot of times it's, you could say it's all schedule. If they had had, Two, e- two more easier non-conference if they had played Oregon State, not Oregon. You know, if they caught Arizona and Arizona State, you know, in a lull. It just if they if UCLA were playing USC in the Rose Bowl. It's just there's – it's not like a matter of one or two wins. A lot of times schedules can swing three or four games. And – I think that 2020. I'll 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 do a do or die on this. If if they don't post at least eight wins in 2020, then we can all seriously, <laughs> really, probably question what's happening here. Yeah, because I mean, look at that non-con. It's uh, New Mexico State at the Rose Bowl, and then at Hawaii and at San Diego State. So. 
actually not ideal. You would like to have one of Hawaii and San Diego State at home, um, but fine, right? It's three. Yeah. It's three not Power Five schools. You're playing a non-conference. A, a a rolling UCLA program, which is what you would hope Chip Kelly's third year would be, should go three and zero in that stretch, no matter how good San Diego State is right then. Yeah. Um, and then I mean, your away games though are at Hawaii, and then your other away game is down the four hundred five. So you're not you're not losing with San Diego. You're not losing a time zone, which is a huge thing in in away games. I mean, you might be in a semi friendly environment there too. Uh, okay, move on. Then yeah. yeah, and then conference play, as you said, it's it's um, it's at Oregon State, not at Oregon, and it's uh, you know Washington State instead of Washington, which Washington State's a good program, um, but it's not Washington, so. Stanford, USC, Utah, and Washington State, all at home. Yep. Yeah. No, that, if that, that should be for a program in a coach's third year, any coach's third year um, at UCLA, but certainly Chip Kelly's, that should be a, that's a schedule you can win some games on. That's a schedule that ideally you'd be looking to make a run on, um, and that that would be the ideal outcome. The ideal outcome, and I think this is a total possibility, and I don't mean to like go super negative pants on the whole thing. A total possibility is that this year they go eight and four, and next year they go ten and two. Uh, right. That is on the table. Um, we saw that offense by the end of last year was looking quite a bit like a top twenty offense, um, and. They return quite a bit from that offense. Um, yeah, there's some key guys who are gone. Wilton Spate, Caleb Wilson, Andre James, for sure. But Joshua Kelly was the engine driving that surge. And he's back. Um, four starting offensive linemen are back. Dorian Thompson-Robinson was the one who keyed off the whole thing by um, playing the best game a quarterback played last year for UCLA against Washington. And he's back. Um, most of the receiving core is back. It's like there's... There's reason to suspect this offense is going to be very good this year. Um, and that might be enough alone to go through this schedule and win eight games. And if the defense is, you know, improved too, there's a chance they're good this year. Like, really good. And if that happens, all this stuff that we've been saying for the last year and a half, it'll be an annoying academic note that's going to bother me till the end of my life. But it's not going to matter. If they if they have a truly successful season this year, they're going to be off to the races. It's going to be okay. UCLA is rolling now. Chip Kelly. There'll be so many stories in the off season about, oh my God, Chip Kelly's back. That offense is incredible. What's he doing? This is so cool. Because we were almost doing that last off season after they won three games. Yeah. Um, so if they actually have a clearly successful season and it's driven by a truly elite offense and the defense can at least look competent. Um, and all of those things are, are real possibilities, then all this stuff won't matter. Um, okay, so uh, let's say seven wins. Let's say even fantasy eight wins. Sure. And then 2020, nine to ten wins. June of 2021, we have to make a mental note to, review, to go back and listen in, to this broadcast. Sure. To see where we are then and see what recruits are saying and that US, uh, USC, geez, UCLA has not picked up its sizzle at all in its recruiting approach at all. But we're hearing recruits saying, I just fit better at UCLA. It's no nonsense. It's not all the this junk I'm getting at other places. I mean, I that's where I'll be able to improve and be my best and – I just like how, you know, you can just hear it. So I that it's the to me it's about the 2020 season. I even like in that article that I wrote, even if they stumble again in 2019, yeah, man, no, bro's going to be a hellish place for you and I to work. <laughs> We might have to do the thing that we did at the hoops board like 5 years ago where we split it into the alley oop and the slam dunk. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. But it's still going to be about 2020. Uh, it's that's that's the make or break right there. Yep. Yeah. OK. OK, Dave. I feel like we vented well. I think that was great.
I think so too. And we wanted this one just to be compact and shorter and we're still at like, you know, almost an hour. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, no, it's great. All yeah. right. Well, um, let's not talk about next one. Let's not talk about recruiting at all. Let's talk no, about the team. I, I, we've, that got, was our, we've got our top 30 Bruins of countdown of the season coming up. Right, Dave? Oh yeah. First story. When's that start? Be, first story should be dropping tomorrow. No way. Rankings. Wow. Should I give it? Sh- should, should, should I sit? Let me, let me, hang on. Hang on. Let me see who's, uh, who's, who's on deck. Uh, I don't even know. I'm on the edge of my office chair. As you should be. As you always should be. All right. So let's pull this up. Let's see if I can get it going here. All right. Um, our first person is a relatively diminutive second-year oh. slot receiver who was hurt for a portion of last year. Wow, you just gave that away. Well, whatever. <laughs> Kyle Phillips, you're on deck. I know. And his initials are KP. <laughs> yep, yeah, I should have done it like in descending order and made you guess. Like start with the most general. Um, but yeah, so that'll be fun. That's um, fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I, I let out like the top 10 guys who could have breakout seasons. Today. We're going to have so much content about the team leading up to fall camp. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you for sitting through uh, my cathartic session about uh, my cathartic psycho- psychotherapy session about UCLA football recruiting. Uh, thank you, Tracy, for sitting in and counseling me. You and sound like you feel better. I do. I, think I, I, I talked myself into um, a certain uh, type of fatalistic optimism, which is about fitting for me. By the time I hit July, usually I'm in full rah-rah mode. So I'm only a few days away from going full 10 and 2. Wow. I know this is – when is the date? When is the time when you hit that? Is usually that... when I'm getting eager for fall camp. So okay. we're talking right after the 4th of July. You know, I'm happy. I'm a little sated from all the fun 4th of July stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, let's get this going. So 10 and 2 <laughs> prediction coming next week. Uh, was it your junior year in college, Dave? Um, it was my first senior year, Tracy. Um, where... <laughs> I had double senior years myself. Yeah, which everyone should. Well, actually, except, no. It was my, except it was our my, kids. It was my fifth year. It was 2007. I graduated in 2008, so it was my my second senior year um, yeah. when I predicted. I think 12 and 0, or was it 10 and 2? 12 and 0. Yeah, I think no. It was <laughs> no. I remember that. That was that was your. You said national championship. Yeah. You, I think you actually said natty. I think I remember you hearing you say that. Yeah, that was that was a time. That was a time in my life. You have changed so much. Oh, boy, how have I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, okay. for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. Thanks, everyone.